Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us here. We hope you are having a wonderful day. We are just cruising along. End of summer is uh, upon us. Fall's about to start. Yeah, one of <laughs> one of our favorite seasons. And hope it is uh, beautiful wherever you are listening to us. We appreciate you tuning in. And on today's show, we have a great show with Dr. Marissa. Cohen. She is an associate professor of psychology at St. Francis College and the co-founder of the Self-Awareness and Bonding Lab, which studies relationship science. And today we get into division of labor in the relationship. AKA chores and housework. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to boil it down, it's more or less what it is, but it can be a big sticking point in a relationship. It It's something that I know Sarah and I uh, have argued about probably more often than we should. And we're pretty sure you guys have too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so listen to today's show because Marissa gives some great tools on how to navigate this. And of course, a big part of it, like a lot of the things we talk about is communication. Yeah. And um, like she mentions in the show, using I statements are so important. And we really stress this is a 
Uh, so many of the lessons in our course, Spark My Relationship, talks about using I statements. Um, but we've also created a free guide, uh, I statements, uh, using I statements in your relationship. And uh, you can download that free guide on uh, the show notes. There's a link in the show notes. And there's also a link in the episode description. So you can grab your freebie uh, there. Yeah, use it as a cheat sheet. It's not easy to to learn how to communicate in this way, but it's such a powerful thing. If if you're frustrated with the way your relationship is going, you have the power to change it. So download that cheat sheet and use these I statements. It's like magic. It's like sorcery <laughs> because <laughs> when you say you want something rather than nagging, be like, uh, it annoys me when you don't do the dishes. If you say, I would really like it, it really makes me feel good when when the dishes are done and there's different ways to phrase that. So check out that cheat sheet and you will be able to, I don't want to say manipulate because that's not what's happening, but get what you want uh, out of the relationship. And uh, if that cheat sheet is uh, leaving you wanting more, you can check out our course, Spark My Relationship at sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And uh, that will bring you to a special page just for ID podcast listeners. And there's a special offer just for you guys there. Um, so yeah, we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Marissa, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Marissa, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your work at St. Francis College. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy researching and helping people improve their relationships. Sure. So I am a psychology professor in Brooklyn and also the co-founder of the Self-Awareness and Bonding Lab. And basically, it's a lab that covers all different aspects of relationships. Um, we cover everything from what makes relationships successful to infidelity. And we work with a lot of students kind of helping them to answer their own relationship questions from an academic perspective. And I absolutely love connecting academic research with real world issues and just branching the two so people can understand the science a little bit better and also find ways to apply it to their everyday lives. Well, today's topic is one that is really important to a lot of relationships and can definitely be a object of tension, and that is division of labor in the relationship, and so inside the household, really. So why don't we talk about why that can create such problems, and then we can talk yeah. about how to communicate around it so that we don't face those issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, that is one of the hot topics in research, and it has been for a while, because as you mentioned, it can lead to a lot of strife within the relationship if things aren't discussed early on. And I think that a lot of people, especially in opposite sex relationships, tend to fall along, you know, these gender stereotypical patterns when they have these views about like what should be going on in that household. And that isn't always healthy. And 
you know, if discussions aren't had early on in a relationship about who's going to do what, this can lead to a lot of problems down the road. Like a lot of things in a relationship, I know you cited a study in one of your articles that it found, I think there was 32 couples and that if there's ambiguity around the division of labor in the household, a lot of times that leads to relationship dissatisfaction. So the key being ambiguity. And when I hear that, I hear, I think lack of communication that is just yeah. you're not talking about it. You're assuming that your husband takes out the trash and, or the husband is assuming that the wife is going to do the dishes if we want to go along those gender roles. So how can we start that discussion of, hey, this isn't sexy topic, <laughs> but let's talk about how we're going to handle things once, you know, really you want to start as soon as possible in the relationship. Uh, obviously, first date, you don't need to be talking about these things. But but uh, the earlier I feel like you tackle it, the, 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 the better. Yeah, you make a lot of really great points in it. And it's like completely accurate. Um, it's probably not something that I would walk into, as you say, on the first date and say, hey, so let's talk about our future life together and, <laughs> and how we're going to divide labor within our household. Because <laughs> that's that's probably a little bit too much right out of the gate. But um, once you kind of, you know, navigate the relationship a little bit more and and it's a serious, committed relationship, it is an important conversation to have. Um, some of it you're probably going to start to see come up organically just based upon even like early dating experiences, though, you know, I've done a lot of research on, on early dating and even couples that tend to be more egalitarian within the household rely a lot on these uh, very gender stereotypical roles. And what I mean by that is, you know, the male tends to be the initiator. He's the one that's going to plan the dates and he's the one that's going to um, initiate a second date. Whereas the woman, um, she's more like responsive to what he is initiating. So even early on in a relationship, you might see people falling into these gender stereotypical patterns and you kind of want to be careful that if that's not how you want to extend your relationship and how you want to be once you move in together or once you start, you know, a joint life together, then that conversation needs to be had. And something else that's really, really important is it's not necessarily just a one-time conversation. It's something that needs to be renegotiated throughout the length of your relationship because if you think about it, our roles change. So, you know, um, let's say you have a discussion where the person who's working the longer hours, you know, they're the ones who might not necessarily do as much work. So maybe it's the person who comes home earlier is the one that's going to prepare dinner. Uh, that role can change as jobs change, as you move to a different area. So you constantly need to reopen that conversation as the nature of your relationship varies. I think that that tip right there is so helpful because just from our experience, we've been together for 10 years and throughout that time, 
like you've said, our lives have changed and evolved. We've had different careers, different, we've had a baby. <laughs> so like things change. And like what I used to do, like make dinner, like Chase, once we had a baby, Chase then took on dinner, but we did have to kind of discuss that and have that conversation. Um, so it's important to, like you said, communicate about that. And then one almost kind of be open to that change because some people may just be set in, in what's comfortable for them, but it may not work for the partner and overall for the relationship. Right. Um, and it's, it's a very timely topic just to kind of give you uh, some information from my personal life, which fits in with this perfectly. Um, right now, I live pretty much walking distance from work. So my, and my husband is the one who's commuting. And because of that, I'm the one that will do a lot of the household chores, like throwing clothes into the, you know, for the laundry or starting dinner. And we're in the process of actually moving to a house in the suburbs. And he's going to be the one that's going to be, you know, within two miles of work. And I'm going to be the one that's going to be commuting for over an hour. So our roles are going to change at that point. And we've already started discussions of, of what we expect of one another because, I think when you make an assumption, then it becomes problematic because you don't necessarily know what your partner knows. You really have to open those lines of communication. Like so many things in the relationship, it, we can't assume that our partner knows what we want and, and expect the change. So starting that dialogue and explicitly laying these th things out. Like I said, it's not the sexiest topic, but it can be a real <laughs> point of tension. So what what will that conversation uh, look like specifically? How can we bring that up and, and talk about our needs in a way that's going to be productive? I think the most important uh, key is to be incredibly honest uh, to the point where you feel, you know, sometimes honesty is, is difficult because you don't want to necessarily seem pushy if you have a lot of needs that you feel need to be met, but you need to share whatever is on your mind so your partner understands. Um, also, you know, you, you need to sit down and have this conversation when this is the main topic that you want to discuss. If you have a whole bunch of other issues or other potential sources of conflict, everything is going to wind up getting conflated and you're not going to have a productive conversation. So just, you know, sitting down and saying, all right, I think we need to reevaluate the way that we share our roles in our home or the way that we approach certain tasks. And it's also really, really important in any kind of conversation, not just necessarily when it comes to the division of labor, is that you're focusing on the behaviors, not the person. And this is like a big, you know, big helpful hint when it comes to conflict too, is that, you know, let's say um, your partner is not cleaning up after him or herself. So instead of saying something like, you're a slob, you can address the behavior and say, when you leave dishes out in the sink in the morning, it becomes a problem because then I have to clean them and I'm late to work. So let's address who's going to load the dishwasher. So what might seem like a small trivial thing, like loading the dishwasher, if you don't address that early on, it's going to build up and get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's going to become this like unnecessary sore spot within your relationship. 
And again, going back to that idea of addressing the behavior, not the person, is a lot of people will kind of go to these areas when in conflict or when communicating that, you know, seem to kind of help them, quote, like, I guess, win, <laughs> win the argument. Um, and, and you don't want to go there. You want to have an honest communication where you're not blaming one another. I think it's what you're saying is, is so true. And what I tend to struggle with is we actually just had another um, interview right before this one where we kind of talk about common issues that happen in the relationship and some can be households, some, some can be not. But one of the tips that they advised is that um, sometimes, you know, you really have to ask yourself, is it the end of the world? Like, is what I'm really upset about, is it just because I don't like doing the dishes or is it a deeper rooted reason that you don't feel appreciated because your partner doesn't help out when, when, when right. asked. So I think that, it's it's hard for me personally to find that balance of whether I need to really address it or I just let it go because it's really not that big of a deal to, you know, wash two bowls in the sink and take out the trash. Right, definitely. There is kind of this like careful balance where you have to evaluate, is this something that I bring up? The problem, of course, is that if you don't bring it up and, you know, not washing the dishes in the morning turns into, you know, not helping with laundry, which then turns right. into not vacuuming. So it can kind of be like a slippery slope. So it's important uh, to address these behaviors on the earlier side so they don't pile up. But it's, again, it's not necessarily whether or not you address it, but how you address it. That's important. So not going in in an argumentative or combative way and just explaining, kind of using I language. When this happens, this is how that behavior affects me. Because like you mentioned, it might not seem like a big deal to just leave a couple of bowls in the sink in the morning, but to your partner, that may be a huge deal, which, you know, is indicating I don't value your time or you know, I don't feel it's necessary for me to do this. So it could be a big thing. It could be a small thing, but without, you know, communicating, you never really know. I totally follow Sarah's uh, line of thinking there of like, when do you just let it go? And I think you got to be careful because then resentment can also right. build up where Sarah could say, I'll just let it go. It's not a big of a deal. I'll do the dishes. Mm -hmm. And then it could just be that one thing. And, and it just, and then, it just builds up and, and you can start to present. It might not even be a little, you know, a huge thing, but if it's 1% of resentment on top of, you know, another half a percent here and suddenly it, it, it might not even be a, the super negative uh, in your mind. But I think in relationship, we want it to be as, as good as possible. And if that's something that, that can be addressed, like you said, the right way with eye language, uh, Sarah, I, I, I tell Sarah, like, I want her to tell me if there's something that, that bothers you. And, and that goes throughout everything in, in the relationship. So not just division of labor, but it might not be something that bothers you. It might be something that you want. And we could talk about in the bedroom. And a lot of times couples just assume it's like, I, I want, my partner to do this or I, I want to have sex more often. And, but you never, 
directly communicate your desires. And so nothing's going to change and you're going to either not be as happy as you could be. You could be resentful. So it's just about Definitely, you don't want to like just say everything you want all the time. You know, it has to be this <laughs> way. But I, I, I think that you know we go through life at one time, and 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 it should be in a way that it feels good to you within uh, by within reason and compromising, but not to just let things go uh, as the solution. Um, but the flip side of that, not obviously. Uh, nagging everything, but finding that balance. And, and we talk about it on this show is like, what are your deal breakers? What are your values? Obviously you don't, those cannot be compromised. And then within that, um, we, we got to find that balance. Right. Um, I think you make a very important point is that, you know, over time resentment can build up and it's not just about communicating things that are necessarily problematic. As you say, it could be communicating what you need from the relationship because if you think about it, it's not selfish. It's helping your partner get a better understanding. And when your partner has a better understanding of you, that's going to strengthen your joint experience. It's going to strengthen your relationship. So it's important to kind of let them in on your own world. So they, they get a, a deeper appreciation for who you are as an individual. Um, and and it's, it goes for everything in the relationship. And what's interesting is also when it comes to the vision of labor, it could be a small thing like, you know, putting a couple of bowls away for breakfast, but it could also be indicative of your overall values and how you view the world. Because it comes down to, you know, should we fall into, if it's a male and female in the relationship, if that's that's the uh, coupling we're talking about, should we resort to these gender stereotypical roles? Like what happens when the woman goes and has a child? Is she going to be expected to quit her job, stay home and take care of the, the child while the husband is a provider? So it's important to have these discussions early on before you have children. You're both going into this relationship with your eyes completely open. That's a good point. And, and yeah, you just can't assume that your partner is going to read your mind or that your partner is going to fit into that stereotypical role that you think is going to happen. Um, whether it's a new relationship or you've been in it for a while and, it's such a simple concept of like communicate what you want, <laughs> but I feel like right, it, right. it's not innate and, and it's not all the time. And, and then we get frustrated. It's like, why can't they just do that thing that I want them to do? And it's <laughs> that like, thing. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I like how you mentioned it. It's not just about, it's about communicating your needs, but it's about your partner having a better understanding of who you are, what you want, and that's going to in turn create more intimacy and, and bring you guys closer together. So it's not uh, to be looked at as a negative thing. It's it's actually incredibly positive. Right. And, you know, don't get me wrong. These conversations can be potentially very difficult to have. It depends where you are in your relationship. Some of these conversations are difficult throughout the relationship, but you know, it comes down to understanding where the other person is coming from and how they view the world to decide whether or not you can take that leap and 
spend your life or however long you will spend with this person with them. Um, you know, beyond just gender roles, discussing things like finances or whether or not you want to choose to have kids or whether or not a pet is important to you or where you want to live. So these conversations are important to have early on in the dating process so you get a clearer picture of who that person is. In your research, have you come across any specific ways that have helped couples uh, manage the division of labor in the household, like whether it's setting up a calendar or like a list? Is there anything that you found to work better than others? But first, we want to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's sponsor is Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in the world. It's a quick, fun, and efficient way to learn another language. So I know I've shared with you guys that my summer goal is to improve my Spanish before we head back to Costa Rica. And so far, good, right? You agree? See, si. <laughs> <laughs> I love using Babbel because the lessons are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language and actually remember what you learn. See, si. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Sarah improve a lot because she she can say more than see, which is yes, <laughs> and, as I'm doing here and practicing because she is able to do it really throughout the day on the app in between, you know, recording podcasts, taking care of Stella, dealing with me and my antics, and it'll get you speaking a new language within weeks. Yeah. And although the lessons are, you know, 10 to 15 minutes long, sometimes as a busy mom and entrepreneur with the podcast, I don't have 10 to 15 minutes in a row. So I do like five minutes here, five minutes there. And for me, that works and it might work for you. And Babbel helps you get ready for all kinds of practical situations like ordering food at a restaurant or asking for directions or chatting with friends. Yeah. Chatting with friends or our three-year-old daughter, Stella, who I think my Spanish is a little bit better than hers now, but we're, we're working on it. That's my other goal. <laughs> <laughs> so go to babble.com and use promo code I do to get 50% off your first three months. That's babble, B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code I do for 50% off your first three months. Today's episode is also sponsored by our course, Spark My Relationship. We started I Do Podcast to get information to improve our own relationship. We thought at the very least we'll be able to do that and then to share it with our listeners. The guests are great and we've gotten a ton of valuable information, but we found that if we don't actually deliberately take the time to implement the strategies and tools that our guests give us, we weren't seeing the real lasting benefits that we desired in our relationship. And that's why we created the Spark My Relationship course. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a comprehensive relationship course that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to execute it. 
By enrolling in the online course, you'll have access to the same strategies and tools that marriage therapists teach their clients, including therapists taught video lessons with workbooks and exercises to help you work towards accomplishing your relationship goals in less than 90 days. You'll also learn how to detox unhelpful relationship habits and learn healthy ways to interact. You'll learn how to disagree respectfully and communicate mindfully, as well as how to improve intimacy and reignite your sex life and so much more. Spark My Relationship isn't just a course for struggling couples. It's a course for couples who want to see their relationship flourish. If this is you, then you are a perfect fit for the course. So for a special offer for our ID podcast listeners, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Again, for 30% off the course, plus special bonuses just for ID podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Not in my specific research. Uh, most of my, my personal research just focuses on uh, perceptions of early dating experiences and what, may, what makes a date successful or not. Uh, but I have looked into other people's research and really it just comes down to communicating. It comes down to being open and sharing, you know, how you actually want to divide the relationship. and. You know, some research has even shown that when there is unequal division of labor in a relationship, this can actually even up the risk of divorce and conflict within a relationship. So there are extremely detrimental side effects of of not sharing the work within the relationship evenly. And I would like to point out for each individual couple, it is different. I'm a huge list person. Like I love to write things down and make a list and put it on the refrigerator and like check it off (laughs) as I go. I find (laughs) that that's super helpful for me. And I find that I feel like something has been accomplished. So that would work for Chase and I, or at least me. (laughs) But for other couples, it may be, you know, something else. So finding what works for you to help you stick to whatever agreements you've made, I think um, is really important as well. Right. I'm a total list person too. I mean, I still have like the old school planner. I refuse to put anything (laughs) into my phone because I love just having post-its and checking things off because it's a wonderful feeling of accomplishment. Um, So that that's personally, you know, what works for me, but as long as everyone, you know, involved in the relationship is is clear on how you want to approach tasks um, and is able to accomplish them in a way that works for them, then that's fine. Well, Marissa, I want to, ask you a few questions about your your work as a professor and uh, also in the lab. But before we go on, are there any other major things as far as in division of labor that that we haven't addressed that are important uh, for our listeners? I think we covered, I think we covered it quite a bit. And, but the, the main thing that I just, I want to kind of emphasize is that this is a constant negotiation, like I said before, because relationships do change. And, and as the relationships change, the way in which they function is going to be altered as well. So it's important to realize that 
what you had and what worked for you in the past within the relationship isn't necessarily going to work in the future. And that's okay. Um, it's the same thing. It's, it's the way in which you approach the discussion, not the discussion itself. So it's important to have difficult conversations within a relationship because it can help you grow. And I've said it on this podcast before, but there's a great quote. I'm not sure who it's by, but it's more or less the success of your life can be measured in the amount of difficult conversations you have. And I think in a a relationship, it's so true that if we just kind of go through and expect things to work themselves out and don't really communicate because it's hard and difficult to have those conversations, then you're going to have a mediocre, if not unhappy relationship. But you're going to have to put in the work, have those difficult conversations if you want to take it to the next level and, and really experience the the most joy and happiness, whether it's in relationship or all elements of life. So it's a, uh, it's a, it's worthwhile. It might not be easy to do, but, but I think you've given us some great tools as f- tackling this one part of a relationship. And I want to ask you, I mentioned, I always think it's it- interesting when we have guests on that are involved in academia and, and in research and, and you being a, a professor and working with students. I think it's so important because we don't, we don't learn the, the topics that we cover on this podcast. Part of the reason we started this podcast is we just wanted to learn for ourselves. And you don't, I never took any classes in, in, in college about, uh, relation. The closest thing I took was a management, a business management class, but it, it's so, mm-hmm. I wish it was required in starting in elementary school, like how, how to communicate with others. Like it's so fundamental to being successful in this life. So as a professor and as a researcher, how have you found that like on the ground, like the reception from the students and, and just the value that it creates, um, Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. First, I just want to echo what you said that I completely agree. I think that we should be talking about relationships, all different types of relationships, romantic, platonic, effective collaboration in a work environment from elementary school. Because a lot of times when relationships are brought up, they are brought up in psychology classes, depending upon the courses that you take. And, you know, they are brought up, like you mentioned, you said, in in a business type of class. But just having a course alone to explore the different types of relationships and how they can affect our mental and emotional health, I think is really, really imperative. And um, my, my path, to studying relationship science is atypical. Uh, my, my background, my, my PhD is actually in educational psychology. So I did a lot of early research just exploring interventions to improve students' content-specific vocabulary. Like that's, that's where I started. And when I began teaching full-time at the college, I was teaching a lot of research methods and experimental courses, so very research-heavy classes. And a lot of students approach those classes with with fear because it tends to be packed with statistics and very challenging. And I just noticed I, I would bring in examples for students 
from the social psychology realm and starting to kind of put in a little bit of relationship science in there because it's, there's so many great connections between people's real lives and academic research. So when I started talking about other studies in relationship science, I just noticed the way that students just perked up and it really resonated for them. And they started to pick topics for their experimental theses in the area of relationship science. So I started to run with that and I wound up developing a course called Attachment and Attraction, which is a seminar course, which basically focuses on the life cycle of relationships from early attachment to your caregivers all the way through, you know, bereavement at the end of life uh, with your partner. And from that, we, I worked with uh, my co-founder and we created the lab and what's really great is it's driven by students' interest. So if they have a question that's of importance in their own life, they bring that question to us and we work with them to develop it into an academic research study. So whether it's going out there and conducting an experiment, handing out surveys, we'll work with them to examine the literature, see what's already known about the topic, where is their area for further exploration and to figure out the most effective way to do that. Well, that is an interesting story of how you got into it. And it, it's nice to hear like that the students, it kind of led you on that path based on what the students were choosing. And it kind of goes to show that there's an interest there. And that's the great thing. I think with, with technology, with podcasts, I know personally I've been exposed to so many different ideas through actually podcasts and, and certainly ours and interviewing people, but other podcasts that I never learned or, or, or never would have come across, uh, otherwise, or maybe I would have, but, but probably not. And, and I think as this information becomes more widely available, maybe we'll see, uh, uh, well, certainly we are seeing an interest. I know our downloads are going up. So there's people that want this information. Um, are, are there any kind of organizations or movements to get that type of curriculum into early education that you know of? I have seen a couple in New York. Uh, there is an organization, it's a nonprofit called the Relationship Foundation. Um, and, you know, I follow them on social media and they pretty much talk about getting you know, a curriculum around relationships in the schools early on. And I've just seen that a lot of people have done it on their own with their students, similar to way, the way that I'm doing it, because there is that interest there. Um, and, and I think that it's great whenever you can connect academic research to your life and it helps improve it in some way. Well, no doubt it's going to improve people's lives. It, it, it's, it's such an important thing. And, and being a parent to a three-year-old now, you start to think about all of these things a lot more. And, and I want to, to be able to give my daughter the things that I'm not saying I had a, a bad childhood or anything, but like could have prevented a lot of frustration and, and even now, uh, of things in, in communication. 
if they were established earlier on and in, in, in the same way that you learn geography, you learn effective communication skills of using I statements when you want something like it's, it's <laughs> exactly, such a exactly. fundamental and, and thing. And it into a lot of different disciplines, relationship science. I mean, you had mentioned that it could, it could cross into business and management, even just from, you know, my educational psychology background, understanding relationships is important for understanding the connections students have with their teachers or students have with their peer groups in school. So it doesn't always need to be related back to romantic relationships, but understanding these important areas that cross over like communication is imperative. Yeah. Well, well, this podcast is, is one step towards that <laughs> little, little baby step. <laughs> yes, yes. We're, we're constantly trying to put out great information from people like yourselves and, and our listeners are out there implementing it in their lives. And maybe who knows, maybe we have some six year olds out there <laughs> getting ready, getting ready and, and getting it early. Or maybe the parents listen, uh, in the car with us and, and, uh, so we thank you for, for giving us and our listeners the information today and continuing to do the important research to, to get that information. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online and then we'll say goodbye. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. Um, and if you want any more information about me or my work, my personal website is www.marissatcohen.com. And it's Marissa with one S and it'll have information about my book, which is from first kiss to forever, a scientific approach to love, as well as my social media accounts and ways to reach out to me. Excellent. Well, we'll have the link to your book and your website uh, on today's show notes page and our listeners know to go to idpodcast.com to check out those links. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show, Marissa, and uh, best of luck with all your research and everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, like we mentioned in the pre-show, we do have a guide to complement this interview and it's the uh, how to use I language in your relationship. So you can access that free download guide by visiting our website, idpodcast.com slash 161, which is today's episode. And in there, there will be a link where you can sign up to get the free guide. And if you want more information on our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, you can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock, and you can get the I Do Podcast listener only promotion. So again, that's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock to get the special offer only for you guys. We appreciate you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com